Hi, I'm Tzemach, and uh, my guest today is Itzhak Schoenfeld, founder and proprietor of the famous Chulant. And uh, I would like to start by asking Itzhak, how do you define what Cholent is for people who don't know? Well, we're speaking about Cholent, not the dish, but Cholent, the uh, weekly event and disorganization, um, as I like to call it, the disorganization of Cholent. Um, so you would like to know a little bit about what it, what it means or what it's, Purpose? Which would you, which would you like? Well, I tell you, I, I see Cholent as a sort of a salon, meaning it's a classic night gathering that existed in Paris, existed in Berlin, existed in Prague, existed in St. Petersburg, most cultured towns where people who in search of uh, camaraderie, in search of, uh, I would call it intellectual or not so intellectual conversation, they get together, you know, it's a basic human need to socialize. That's how I see it. But you, you have, obviously your Cholent has a little twist that it's been founded and maintained, let's say by religious Jews. So maybe so, maybe so that it was founded and maintained by religious Jews. Um, but um, it's also was founded and maintained by humans, founded and maintained by Americans, doesn't necessarily mean that that's the requirement or the some end result. Um, it happens to be that we, uh, that I am a, an observant Jew, that's true, and proudly so. Um, and, and, and most of the people, in a, I, I would say that it revolves around people on the periphery of orthodox, orthodoxy, orthodox Jewish community. And uh, when I say the periphery, it's people who have, could be people who have fallen out of, of the orthodox community, people who have been, are disenfranchised with the orthodox community, people who embrace the orthodox community fully, people who want to experience what it means or just experience conversation or interaction with Orthodox Jews. So in the past, we've had many a journalist or a, um, a doctoral student or um, filmmakers that have come to see what are, what are Orthodox Jews and the place where they feel at ease to interact would be at Cholent because you have like I say, people on the periphery of, of Orthodox society, more open to speak to quote unquote outsiders. Yeah, but I, I would mention, I think it's important to note at least the chant is an organic undertaking, meaning Most uh, definitely so. from the beginning, it's sort of been run by its quote unquote users. And uh, I think that makes it, very vital because it's it's a natural undertaking. It hasn't been sponsored by any organization and unfortunately it hasn't been financed by any organization. But it existed now for what? Is it 25 years or 20? How, how many years has this thing been going? In its current form, about 20 years. Yeah. So for, for an organic undertaking to have continuous presence and most of it is due to your 
efforts, right? It's a quite an undertaking. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for giving me more credit than I do or deserve. But I would say mostly I get out of the way of, of the goings on. I'm much more of a, like I say, a disorganizer of this disorganization than an organizer. Um, and it definitely is very well put, as you said, an organic, uh, I wouldn't call it an institution or maybe an enterprise. Um, and it develops and has developed and hopefully will continue to develop and created in the image of its users and uh, those people who come to, to be, I wouldn't say members, but uh, participants. So maybe, you know, originally I thought uh, maybe we, we should touch in a history of Chont at the end of this conversation, but maybe now's the time to sort of speak about how it all started. Hmm, okay. So there were any number of early developments. Um, we used to have a friend whose name was Ephraim. He used to live in, uh, would come home from yeshiva and he had a ba basement apartment in his, his parents' house. And we, some of the gang used to hang out there. That developed into my office. I had a business called Corporate Raider, sold electronics via mail, mail order. And in the evenings, you know, from around seven o'clock till one, two, three in the morning, people would come by and hang out, hang out, usually having mostly philosophical conversations about um, religion, God, purpose of, of life, so to speak. Um, and that would ha that happened for a few years, maybe, I don't know, 10, maybe 10 or more years that we had that. And then that developed into a one night specifically Thursday night, and I used to cook some chalun because people seem to like chalun Thursday nights, not just Friday night. And of course, for those people who don't know, chalun is a dish which is traditionally eaten on Shabbos on, on, on Saturday mornings. Um, and uh, it's found in various um, Regions, there's a Hungarian challenge, there's a Polish challenge. Hello. I lost you for a moment, but. Moroccan. Do uh, you hear me now? Yes. Okay. So, so we would make a challenge for Thursday night. I'd usually start cooking it on Wednesday night. We'd, we'd eat it on, on Thursday night and around there. Around, around that, we would uh, gather for, again for discussion, for interaction, for socializing. Uh, at one point, we had a ping pong table. People would come by and play ping pong, etc. Pretty much yeah. interact with each other. Um, and I would say that if there is a, uh, a goal or a purpose, um, it would be, uh, maybe one could say, to explore themselves, rather to express themselves and explore the other. 
Yeah, I, but I, I would say the reason I describe this as a salon, but because I think you, you always made a point, at least at the beginning of, uh, of the event, to have some kind of a lecture or cultural event. And I think you went out of your way uh, as, as much as you were able to, to find people who have significant contribution in a cultural sphere as much as you can. Yes. So definitely a part of it, and it, and it uh, developed fairly much in the beginning, is a, a desire for people who grew up, especially people, uh, who grew up somewhat sheltered and limited in their experiences and knowledge to explore the world, especially the world of ideas. Um, and to that end, we would usually have, almost always would have a speaker, a presenter um, in the first, let's say, hour, hour and a half of the evening. And oftentimes it was somebody who was either a professional or in their, in their, in their own, the topic they were speaking about or one from the group who wanted to express themselves and be given an opportunity to address others, you know, maybe for the first time in their life. So it meant putting together something and give their ideas or their exploration of a field of expertise and presenting it to the group. So yes, very much so it was, it was and still is a salon uh, in many ways. Uh, we also would have, we have many people who are musicians, singers, songwriters, um, and who would perform as well, either as the main presentation of the evening or as an add-on to, you know, just like um, a kumzit or something, just a gathering of friends and a performance by one for the other. But well, um, yes, uh, you know, uh, the th you know, I, I do I do sort of uh, sometimes uh, criticize things, so I'm going to go for a couple of my critiques Great. and and um, just to balance those ideas of you. One thing I, I think when when I visited Chong, first of all, um, I have to say that it's it's a very New York kind of an event. I think a hard time imagining anything like that in any other town except town that has New York Jewish and cultural density. So when I visited Chong, sometimes I felt that the small talk is overwhelming and some, some introvert like myself have, have a hard time with small talk, but I changed my opinion on this, especially after I hang out for last year in Clubhouse and I sort of, succumb to realization that small talk is part of human nature and you sort of have to accept it. But nevertheless, I sometimes maybe just being an introvert felt not very comfortable in a small talk environment. Hmm. So I would, I would address that with two points quickly I would make. Um, one, uh, in general, human beings are primates and primates, um, needs socializing. You know, gorillas or, or monkeys might might pick the the uh, nits 
the bugs out of the fur of their the friend, or their family. And we do a similar thing with conversation. And sometimes the... I was hoping you bring up this metaphor. <laughs> so thanks, thanks for delivering. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, the specific conversation or the, is, is just a, a, a byproduct of, the, of this need to socialize. And it's almost irrelevant. Uh, so yes, small talk oftentimes is the is is not only is it not a a means to an end, but it is the end itself or, or the goal, um, because we ultimately want to socialize. Um, so that's that's uh, point A. Point B is yes, oftentimes it, there is small talk. And sometimes that's the way, the means to get people who are on the periphery, who are introverted, to bring themselves out a little bit. Um, and it's not just small talk, but, but another uh, agenda, if we have an agenda, although I hate to think that we have a specific agenda, would be to make people who are exactly, as you say, who are introverts, make them feel comfortable in a social setting. So usually look out, you know, people look out for the introvert or people look out for the person for the wallflower, the person sitting on, a, on, on the side of the room, not engaging with people. And we oftentimes will make an effort to bring them in to the conversation or bring them into uh, the interaction with others. I, so I know, I know the chant uh, because because you, uh, I mean, because you organic organization, and if, if there were any brains in any kind of official Jewish organizations, they would have financed you uh, because so much uh, of, the, of, the, of the communal uh, Jewish events have been lav are being lavishly financed and they're totally wasteful. Here you have a welcoming place, a salon, and you basically, you've done it on your own. And as a result of that, you often had to travel from one location to another. So although I, I usually don't like uh, uh, questions about favorites, but is there a favorite location that Chont existed in that in your mind, uh, sort of the best for what it was intended? Okay, so you you mentioned a few premises, and then you mentioned the other word of premise, uh, the other meaning of the word premise. So the first few premises that we are we should have been um, financed or supported or sponsored by Jewish organizations. Um, I I have to say maybe due to my my arrogance or maybe due to the fact that I think that once an organization supports you, they want to direct how you should operate or your goals or your, your membership or, or things like that. And, and that's anathema to us because we wanna be open for everybody, to everybody. We want people to express themselves without reservation. Um, 
we, you know, I would say nearly anything goes as far as, far as thought for sure. And uh, the expression of thought, short of physical violence, you know, and, ad, and usually ad hominem attacks, we, we look askant upon. So short of that, pretty much anything in the, in the realm of ideas goes. Oftentimes, when one is um, sponsored by an organization or, sponsored or, or supported by an organization, it comes with uh, strings attached. So that's in response to the premise that you said. And as far as the premises, which, which one is, is my favorite? That's an interesting question. I'd have to say that each one had its, had its ups and downs, positives and negatives. Um, it's difficult for me to say. But, well, but I, I, you know, I haven't seen all of them, especially in the later years. And we have to mention that uh, in the COVID days, and I think till now, has driven you into Zoom, but uh, which is also significant. But wouldn't like Sixth Avenue be sort of what is it, yeah, Milnery uh, Shoal? Would it be like the, the the top of the line? Well, I would say I was about to say the Milnery Shoal brought us a, a notoriety. That's for sure, uh, being that it was Manhattan, etc. Um, but it definitely was a, an incarnation of of Shalin that was formative. Um, I think the millinery solidified it in a certain in a certain way as what it at its high point. I th I, I think at least. Yeah, I think mean, I think this had many things going for it. First of all, it's a shul. Second of all, it was located in a neighborhood. Uh, that sort of uh, doesn't have many residences there. So people who frolic in the night, so to speak, could do it more or less without any disturbance. And obviously it was in the middle of Manhattan, close to 42nd Street, uh, 6th Avenue. It sort of like was in a, in a the, the, the scene of the event was very theatrical, if I might say it. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, right there in the theater district. Well, there was a Sixth <laughs> Avenue and Thirty Eighth Street, I believe. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And it was called the Millinery Center Synagogue, which was pretty much um, at its at its height served a local community of milliners, of people in the hat business specifically, but generally in the um, um, garment district. Um, I, I, I would scratch that. I shouldn't say that the participants were, were millinaries, but it was in the millinery center of Manhattan um, in the, within the garment district. And it served people in the garment district in its heyday. Being that pretty much, especially the Jewish aspect of workers in the garment industry has collapsed. There are very few workers um, the Jewish, especially, well, the whole garment industry has gone down tremendously and moved overseas. Um, definitely the, the, the rank and file Jewish one, Jewish participants in the garment industry have declined tremendously. So this, and, and with, along with it, the synagogue in its midst. So it was, I wouldn't say it's a defunct synagogue, but it's a highly underused synagogue. And, and it was managed by a, an eclectic 
uh, rabbi, I guess one could could call him. Yeah, it was managed by by him, and um, as such, it was it was in many ways the perfect because it was it was a synagogue which lended lent it a certain air of respectability. Yet the paint was peeling, you know, it was underused, underfunded. Um, and yes, it was at the crossroads of, of society over there as it was near the theater industry. It was in a business district. Uh, there weren't too many, um, there weren't too many neighbors around. That, that's a good point. Although we did have one or two which would complain on a regular basis. Um, of course, because at two o'clock in the morning, when you had live bands playing at full throttle, it could uh, become problematic. Um, it also was near, I think, Bryant Park. Near yes, many, behind the behind the library. Yes, and and many many train stations, you know, the F, the D, etc., uh, were a block or two away. So very convenient as well. And even parking, one would be able to find, um, being that we the events always took place after hours. Speak, speaking of events after hours, I know uh, sometimes uh, those things were a little too late for my taste, but is it just because you and now, or why, why is this thing overnight? Uh, when always, I mean, your normal hours would be what, uh, 10 p.m. to 4 a.m., something like this. Even right? closer, like to 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. rather to 3, 4, 5, 6. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. Is correct. it is it because you and Al, or it's just the vault size? Um, I'm sure I part of it reflects my own uh, uh, habits. That's that's true. Although at times it was way too late for me as well. Um, you know, sometimes if we would go to six, seven o'clock in the morning, I, I would, you know, be, be almost incapable of going that long. <laughs> um, but um, we, we tried starting it off at like eight o'clock and nobody would show up. So we, you know, it, it started at 830 and then nobody would show up. So we started at nine and few people would show up. So we started at 930. 9.30 seemed to have been the time when a lot of people will come, would come. But even that is, lately it's been starting even later. <laughs> so it's not just a question of, of my night hourly behavior, which is correct, but also just what it seems that the, that the participants, when they coalesce, is late in the night. Okay, so let, let me ask you another sort of my observation. I, uh, I think I sometimes, I sometimes were taken aback by, by the amount of pot that was consumed. And to be frankly, uh, wasn't appreciating that in, in some corners of the chont, you really had to navigate through massive amounts of pot smoke. Well, specifically, I think many people came there to smoke pot. So um, I've been told by our Polish friend Chaim that you originally was also sort of, um, I mean, Yeshiva Bochar as you are, wasn't so used to it, but 
you 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 became accustomed used to it eventually although you never smoke any pot i want to make clear that you you i've never seen you consume even alcohol as far as i remember maybe a schnapps but but nevertheless uh, this is the culture that existed and i i sort of didn't appreciate it always to be honest with you so uh, your observations are are dead on um, the I myself ha, have yet to smoke pot. Who knows? One day, what are, what do are Lubavitchers say about people that are irreligious? Yes, yes. So I'm not yet a pot smoker. Mestuvas, okay. <laughs> Who knows what will happen in the future? Yeah, we have we have room for children. <laughs> but but I would say I probably a few times at the millinery got a. Contact high, as they say. Secondhand part, yeah. Yes, because sometimes you have to cut it with a knife, uh, the smoke. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was in one era, mostly at the millinery, and other times not so much or not at all, even. Um, and uh, that was part, I guess, of you know, free expression and. Um, some people would come there as a place to smoke pot, especially you know now it's much it's it's even legal then it was illegal. So to find a space where you can comfortably be amongst other people in a, in a, in a nearly public spot to smoke your pot, uh, I think uh, was true. Yeah, that. that was well, which which brings me to uh, sort of a culture mix, right? And uh, I I don't think people described it uh, the word the word I don't like of the derech because it presumes there is any derech to be of it. But anyway, so let's say there were a number of people, and, and I think it's incorrect to describe uh, the child customers, so to speak, as people who are formerly religious, because I have seen all mixed. I have seen uh, people who never been religious. I have seen people who are Hasidic. I've seen people who are Misnagdic, whatever. There's, there's all kinds. But there is obviously a significant number of formerly religious. And so maybe is, is that a cultural sort of a feature of formerly religious as a form of rebellion, maybe to gravitate to pot? Hmm. So your your men, I would actually take the take the time to examine what you just said and, and revel in. So part of our pride and joy is the fact that it's a place where people from many, I shouldn't say all walks of life, but many walks of life and many life experiences. Uh, came together, of course, and hopefully still come together um, from various perspectives, and they and they come together fairly harmoniously, as we said before, to express themselves and to explore the other. You know, so one of my images in my mind was this happened at Sixth uh, Street. Um, was a certain fellow whom we. We, we called Muhammad because mm -hmm. he was a Naturikarta fellow. Mm -hmm. 
and um, and he has his long, long payers and long, long beard uh-huh. and wearing a long coat. And he's in deep conversation with another fellow who had a purple mohawk. Uh-huh. And, and from from the you know from the ease with their interaction and the intensity of their interaction at point, one would one would think that they were cut from the same cloth. No, they are in a way, but that's a difference. In a way, <laughs> right, in a way they are, but that's deeper beneath the surface um, that they're cut from the same cloth. Exactly right. Um, so that that those interactions of people from disparate or even conflicting perspectives is is hello missed you there Charlie. wait I missed you there but go ahead yes um, so so I missed a couple of words so you said different different yeah. people from different perspective what. Different the, the the coming together and the exchanging of of ideas and social interaction of people from disparate and, and at times opposing lifestyles and perspectives were the fact that they were able to come together uh, more often than not harmoniously than contentiously is uh, was, was something that was quite wonderful and. Uh, very proud of that and very unique i would say i don't think something like that in in earnest exists and there should be more of it that's why i sort of always um that even even though even though you uh, you weren't responsible to any organization that gave you a degree of freedom but still there should have been some kind of a, a person who would understood the significance of this event and financed and housed it on a much different level, but whatever it is, it is. Well, part of, so yes, from their perspective, yes. But part of us was, a need, part of our ethos almost is to be an underground event. Mm-hmm. So lately it's not so underground um, but when I mean underground events, especially is not limited mm-hmm. with, with, uh, with, again, with organization, organization sponsorship comes limitations all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I would go back to that um, there are any number of, I wouldn't call it a, a place for OTD people specifically or people, I, I don't like that expression either. Um, people who found their own path, um, who coming from uh, a religious uh, upbringing, you know, that's a constituency. It's not the only constituency, but it's a constituency. Um, there's another constituency of uh, at times more and at times less. You, you dropped again. Hello, see if you come back. It's okay. Home. Wait a second. You you dropped for a couple of uh, sentences there. Yes, I'm sorry. Okay. So I'm, I'm dialing in from my phone, and so whenever somebody calls, okay. I apologize. I understand. I understand. You're a popular guy. I understand. Oh, so uh, so popular. Yes. So um, that's a, that's a subject to a different story, but we'll we'll, we'll not touch it right now. Another time. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so, so there's a Yiddishist element that comes to Cholent. There is a um, spiritual seeking, um, observant, Orthodox Jewish observant contingent that comes. Uh-huh. So when I say spiritual seeking, it you know, it might be through music, it might be alternate expressions of of their religiosity. Um, so that's another another contingency. Um, yeah, it should be noted that I think, especially in the later years, I think it evolved in sort of like musical gathering where musicians will come in and they will just jam together. Right. So that is that presently that predominates in our live get together. And during COVID, it was much more during the I should I should say during COVID as it as if it's in the past, but during the height of COVID for about a year and a half, we did not have a, a live event, but we all every week would have a Zoom event. And um Music was part of it, but on the Zoom event, it was more exchange of ideas. But yes, presently it has devolved. The live event has devolved. Uh, I shouldn't say devolved. I'm going to say evolved to uh, mostly music and and socializing. So to me, socializing is very important. Um, providing some food for people um, is an, is is also important. Uh, the exchange of ideas is very important, and um, yeah, music is important for 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 the heart, for the soul, for the mind as well. Um, and the other the other thing, your observation, I to to clarify the situation, the present day situation. We used to be pretty much the only game in town for a while, but I think now there are many. Other, there, there are a number of other venues that uh, address similar um, constituencies. So um, I would say, you know, we don't have any agenda to make people irreligious, to make people religious, uh, none of that. And maybe some of the other ones do have a somewhat of an agenda. But I think other some of the others don't even you know there's a thing called PSF which puts on events uh, like uh, um, I wouldn't call them necessarily cultural events but more raves and stuff like that dance parties for people to get together and sometimes they'll have a weekend camping weekend which is also for people to get together and exchange. Uh, in in a, in a uh, exchange of people from different levels or different perspectives, different levels of religiosity. So here, let me let me just say this. I'm, I think I'm taking too long to answer this question, but um, it's quite okay. So thank you. So the this idea when or this. Time in play, in time in history, when when tradition comes smack smack together or gets impacted, so to speak, by modernity, um, it then splinters. 
some people, some reaction to that introduction of modernity is to intensify their religiosity or intensify their observance or intensify the strictness of the interpretation of, of the law, etc., of halacha. Uh, some people become disenfranchised with their religion or with the observance of halacha and become, as it's current in fashion to call them, off the derech or OTD. Um, some find some don't intensify their their halachic observance, but seek to express their their observance in a more spiritual manner. And to that end, you know, music is a big part. Um, uh, camaraderie is becomes a bigger part than than you know organized shul going, synagogue attendance. Um, and even the smoking of pot, as you observe, uh, it becomes a part of that, not trying to overthrow religion, um, but to experience it, experience life differently and even to experience religion uh, a bit, bit differently. So this, many of these con, 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 constituencies or many of these splinters do come together in and some of them do come together currently in other places. So one place which, which the or the or the rejection of religious observance predominates might be footsteps. Um, another place where, where dress is, you know, kids at risk, teens at risk, who then become uh, uh, adults. Adults at risk. I'm sorry. Uh, teens at risk becomes adults at risk. Becomes very adults at risk. Actually, there's a fellow who's a filmmaker who tells me he's uh, he's a zaidi at risk. Uh huh. Um, so anyway, so that <laughs> that, uh, that that organization is a place called Our Place, which deals with, like I say, these kids are kids at risk, etc. Um, there's PSF, which is not trying to deal with anything, just to give expression. Um, and there are many different places now uh, for people to have slightly or, or majorly different. But it's all New York, right? Um, it's not only New York. Even, you know, it's interesting. Even in Lakewood, you have things like, uh, things like this as of late. Uh -huh. In, in other places, it, it's mostly New York or New York centric. That's true. Samach, uh -huh. can I yes. excuse you for for a minute? Sure. Yeah. You can stop the recording if you want. I'll yeah, I'll stop the recording. Yeah. Be back in a minute. Okay. We're back here with uh, Itzik Schoenfeld, the proprietor of Chont, and we came to a, uh, a little more interesting question about politics, and I think part of the rebellion package for many of people who come from the conservative traditional background is going into the left-wing politics. And would I be incorrect to observe that what you call TDS or Trump derangement syndrome was quite calm, common amongst Chulanters? 
Wow, we have to really unpack that one. Um, so it's interesting. Well, I'll go back to some of the, um, one of the groups of part participants, I shouldn't say groups, that seems like it's a, it's a formed group, but one type of person that comes to Chaland is the people who have left the foe. And it was interesting that one can observe that um, those, who, those who left the Satmar community usually are, are people who left because they want, because of um, visceral things um, or emotional things, or like as somebody once put it, because they wanted to listen to Madonna music. So, that's, that's usually people from the Satma or Hungarian Hasidic community would, would, would be for those reasons. The, the Litvish community, whether they be Lubavitch or Snagim, would, would leave because of more philosophical reasons, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and being that, they, that that's their personality, it carries over into their non-religious non-observant life as well so that's so essentially they're bernie bros right so so <laughs> that's this point a uh, another so another point would be that oftentimes so yes yeah, so the satmar chassid probably would 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 not become too the majority of them would not become overly leftist Probably not. I, I, I make this as a very vague generalization. But many, yes, many of the people who have left the fold or people who have remained in the fold but seek out challenge um, would be more left-leaning or more liberal than, than otherwise. And uh, you're calling it Trump, what was it again, Trump? Trump derangement syndrome. Derangement syndrome. Um, yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll step away from that because, <laughs> because that's a very loaded expression. But okay. yes, many people do do find themselves on the left side of politics. And, and some of it is because being that they are on the periphery of society, whether they are religious or whether they're Jewish or non-Jewish, etc. I mean, we, have, we haven't mentioned that one of, the, one of the types of people that come to Chalant are non-Jewish. Few of mm -hmm. them but are non-Jewish seeking to, to understand Jewish, the Jewish mind, uh, the Jewish culture, or just uh, enamored of, of Jews in general. Uh, so we do have that constituency as well. Um, but most of the people who find themselves on the periphery of society, I would imagine are lean to the left. Yes, so that's a good observation. Whether uh, especially on the Zoom call, um, the the Trump derangement syndrome, as you call it, not that I call it, mm -hmm. you call it, yes, was, was fairly common. Okay, and uh, this sort of dovetails to a, a very explosive mix of um, um, sort of a background in a very traditional, strict religion's observance with the American culture uh, of, um, how should I say it, 
sexual confusion and sexual ambiguity that mm. sort of came in and swept on top of that. And I think, I think you personally have been always very tolerant to this. So me personally, although I'm not the subject of this uh, interview, I think, um, but me personally, my own perspective is to try to be as tolerant of everybody as possible. Um, I mean, at, at, at some time, at some points, you know, people without getting too much into it, but people who have, have less than legal or uh, criminal or, or deviant even at times past that, especially that have, as is commonly called, paid their dues and have hopefully been reformed where we try to accept everybody, even people like that. So yes, most definitely uh, people who are gay, lesbian, transgender, um, asexual, what else can we put in there? LBGDQ plus, I guess is the uh, queer, you know, all those terms, yes. That shouldn't impact the, the who the person is, as far. But don't, as... but, don't, but don't you think to take a sort of a subsector that's most traditional in the world, and overlay it with this explosive uh, sexual fluidity, is is an odd mixture. Well, it's only an odd mixture if you feel that they're. Um, incompatible or diametrically opposed. Um, so then it becomes explosive. Um, but I don't think that that's, I think we're, we are, there are some people who are rigid that come to Chalant and there's some people who are very unbending and unaccepting and un intolerant. That's true. But, but by and large, people that are, like I, as, as mentioned before, um, people that come to Chalant are on the periphery of, of society and uh, therefore have been at the, at the receiving end of, 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 I wouldn't say banishment, I'm looking for a better word, of, of prejudice or, or, or disinterest. So I think they understand um, the, other, the, the other person, not always, but they understand the other person who's also not uh, struggling with, with identity or struggling with being, being um, I hate to, to use the word tolerated or accepted even in society, but uh, you know, being normalized in society. Okay. I think we, we covered a lot of ground and uh, I think there's an option to sort of carry on this uh, conversation further. Carry on my wayward. Yes, but is, is there anything specific you would like to mention that we might have omitted in, in, a, in a row of questions? Um, I don't think, I think you covered many things. Of course, after, afterwards, you and I will both, both interviewer and interviewee will say, I should have said this, or I could have, should have asked that, or I forgot to ask this, or I forgot to mention that. I'm sure that's going to happen. 
but I think you 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 had incisive and on the point questions. And okay. My right. my responses were, although I'm sure they weren't equally, but hopefully they were adequate to to, to your incisive questions. Okay, uh, great, uh, Yitzhak. Thank you. Thank you very much for for your time and for your completely unique contribution to the Jewish and not Jewish life of the New York City and beyond. Well, thank you for your inquiry and for your interest. And the opportunity. Talk to you soon. Be well. Bye-bye.